Chapter Ten, Part Two of Laddie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget Gage. Laddie by Jean Stratton Porter. Chapter Ten, Part Two. Laddie takes the plunge. The next caller the geese had was Mrs. Freshett. My, she thought they were big and fine. Mother promised her a couple of eggs to set under a hen. Father said she was gradually coming down the scale of her feelings, and before two weeks she'd give Isaac Thomas at least a quill for a pen. Almost no one wrote with them any more, but often father made a few and showed us how to use them. He said they were gone with candles, sand boxes, and snuff. Mother said she had no use for snuff, but candles were not gone. She'd make them and use them to the day of her death, as they were the nicest light ever invented to carry from room to room. Or when you only wanted to sit and think. Father said there was really no good pen except the quill you sharpened yourself. And while he often used steel ones like we children had at school to write to the brothers and sisters away, and his family, he always kept a few choice quills in the till of his chest. And when he wrote a deed, or any valuable paper, where there was a deal with money, he used them. He said it lent the dignity of a past day to an important occasion. After mother and Mrs. Freshett had talked over every single thing about the geese, and that they were like priors had been settled, Mrs. Freshett said, Since he told about it before all of us, and started out the way he did, would it be amiss to ask how Laddie got on at priors? Just the way I thought he would, said mother. He stayed until all of us were in bed, and I'd never have known when he came in if it were not a habit of his always to come to my door to see if I'm sleeping. Sometimes I'm wakeful, and if he pommels my pillow good, brings me a drink, and rubs my head a few strokes with his strong, cool hands, I can settle down and have a good night's rest. I was awake when he came, or I'd never have known. It was almost midnight, but they sat two hours at the table, and then all of them rode. Not the missus. Oh, no, she's not strong enough. She really has incurable heart trouble. The worst kind there is. Her daughter told me so. Then they better look out, said Mrs. Freshett. She is likely to keel over at a breath. They must know it. That's why she keeps so quiet. And they had him to supper? It was a dinner served at night, yes. He took Mrs. Pryor in on his arm, and it was like a grand party, just as they fixed for themselves alone. Waiters and silver trays, and things carried in and out in courses. My land! Well, I suppose he had enough schoolin' to get him through it all right. My mother's face grew red. She never left anyone in doubt as to what she meant. Father said that was the Dutch of it. And mother always answered that if anyone living could put things plainer than the English, she would like to hear them do it. He certainly had, said mother, or they wouldn't have invited him to come again. And all of mine, Mrs. Freshett, knew how to sit properly at the table and manage a knife, fork, and napkin before they ever took a meal away from home. No fence, laughed Mrs. Freshett. I meant that maybe his years of college schoolin' had give him ways more like theirs than most of us have. For all the money it takes to send a boy to college, he ought to get something out of it more than just fillin' his head with figures and stars and oratin', and most always you can see that he does. It is contact with cultivated people, said mother. You are always influenced by it, without knowing it, often. Maybe you are, bein' so fine yourself, said Mrs. Freshett. And me too. I never get among my betters that I don't carry home a lot I put right into daily use, and nobody knows it plainer. I come here expectin' to learn things that help me, and when I go home I know I have. 
"'Why, thank you,' said Mother. "'I'm sure that is a very nice compliment, "'and I wish I really could feel that it is well-deserved.' "'Oh, I guess you do,' said Mrs. Freshett, laughing. "'I often noticed you make an especial effort "'to teach puddin'-heads like me something, "'and I always thank you for it. "'There's a world in right teaching. "'I never had any. "'So all I can pick up and hammer into mine "'is a gain for me and them. "'If my Henry had lived, "'and come out anything like that boy o' yourn "'and the show he made last Sunday, "'I'd do well if I didn't swell up and bust with pride. "'And the little tow-haired strip, "'taking the gun and startin' out alone after a robber, "'even if he wa'n't much of a man, "'that was downright spunky. "'If my boys will come out anywhere near like yourn, "'I'll be glad.' "'I don't know how my boys will come out,' said Mother. "'But I work, pray, hope, and hang on to them. "'That's all I know to do.' "'Well, if they don't come out right, they ought to be bumped,' said Mrs. Freshett. "'After all the chances they've had. "'I don't know just how Freshett was brung up, but I'd no chance at all. "'My folks, well, I guess the less said, little pitchers, you know. "'I can't see as I was to blame. "'I was the youngest, and I knew things was wrong. "'I fought to go to school.' "'and Pap let me enough that I saw how other people lived. "'Come night I'd go to the garret and bar the trap-door, "'but there would be times when I couldn't help seeing what was going on. "'How'd you like chances such as that for a girl o' yourn?' "'Dreadful,' said Mother. "'Mrs. Freshett, please do be careful.' "'Sure,' laughed Mrs. Freshett. "'I was just going to tell you about me and Josiah. "'He come to our house one night, a stranger off the road.' He said he was sick and tired, and could he have a bed? Mother said, no, for him to move on. He tried, and he couldn't. They was something about him. Well, you know how them things go. I wa'n't only sixteen, but I felt so sorry for him, all fever-burned and mumbling. I helped Pap put him to bed, and doctored him all I could. Come morning, he was a sick man. Pap went for the county doctor, and he just took one look and says, Smallpox, all of ye get. I was bound I wouldn't go, but Pap made me, and the doctor said he'd send a man who'd had it. So I started, but I felt so bad. Come a chance when they got to Groveville, I slipped out and went back. The man hadn't come, so I set to work the best I knowed. For long, Josiah was a little better, and he asked who I was, and where my folks went, and I told him. And he asked why I came back, and I didn't know what to say, so I just hung my head and couldn't face him. After a while, he says, All right, I guess I got this sized up. If you'll stay and nurse me through, I'll be well enough to pull you out by the time you get it. And soon as we're able, we'll splice, if you say so. Marry me, you mean? says I. They weren't ever any talk about marrying at our house. Sure, says he. You're a mighty likely-looking girl. I'll do fair by ye. And he always has, too. But I didn't feel right to let him go at blind. So I just up and says, You wouldn't if you knowed my folks. You look as decent as I do, says he. I'll chance it. Then I told him I was as good as I was born, and he believed me, and he always has, and I was, too. So I nursed him, but I didn't make the job of it he did. You remember he is pitted considerable. He was so strong I just couldn't keep him from disfiguring himself. But he tied me. I begged to be loose, and he wouldn't listen. "'so I got a clean face, only three little scars, "'and they ain't deep to speak of. "'He says he looks like a piece of side-meat, "'but say, they ain't nothing the matter with his looks to me.' 
The nurseman never did come, but the county doctor passed things in the winter, till I was over the worst. And Josiah sent for a preacher, and he married us through the winter. I got the writings to show, all framed and proper. Josiah said he'd see I got all they was in it, long that line anyway. When I was well, hanged if he didn't produce a wad from his clothes before they burnt em, and he got us new things to wear, and a horse and wagon, and we driv away here where we thought we could start right, and after we had the land, and built the cabin, and just as happy as heart could wish. Long come a man I'd made mad once, and he told everything up and down. Josiah was good about it. He offered to sell the land, and pull up and go further. What's the use, says I, hundreds know it. We can't go so far it won't be like to follow us. Let's stay here and fight it. All right, says Josiah, but time and again he has offered to go if I couldn't make it. Hang on a little longer, says I, every time he knew I was snubbed and slighted. I never told what he didn't notice. I tried church, when my children began to get a size I wanted em to have right teaching. And you come and welcomed me and you've been my friend. And now the others is comin' over at last, and visitin' me, and they ain't a thing more I want in life. I am so glad, said mother. Oh, my dear, I am so glad. Go and write home and tell that to Josiah, said Mrs. Freshett, jumping up, laughing, and crying like, and maybe I'll just spread my wings and fly. I never was so happy in all my life as I was Sunday, when you asked me before all of them, so cordial like. And says I to Josiah, We'll go and try it once, and we come and nobody turned a cold shoulder on us, and I wasn't wearin' specks to see if they did, for I never knowed him so happy in all his days. Order heard him whistle goin' home, and he's tryin' all them things he learned on our place, and you can see it looks a heap better already, and now he's talkin' about buildin' in the spring. I knowed he had money, but he never mentioned buildin' before, and I always thought it was because he s'posed likely we'd have to move on some time. Pears now as if we can settle, and live like other folks, after all these years. I know G didn't want me to talk, but I had to tell you. When you asked us to the wedding, and others began comin' round, says I to Josiah, won't she be glad to know that my skirts is clear, and I did as well as I could? And he says, that she will, and more am I, says he. I'm mighty proud of you, says he. Proud, think of that. Miss Stanton, I just weighed fire and blood for you. Oh, my dear, said mother, what a dreadful thing to say. Give me the chance and watch if I don't, said Mrs. Freshett. Now Josiah is proud I stuck it out. Now I can have a house. Now my children can have all the show we can raise to give em. I'm done cringin' and dodgin'. I've always done my best. Henceforth I mean to hold up my head and say so. I sure can't be held for what was done for I was on earth, or since neither. You've given me my show. I'm goin' to take it. But if you want to know what's in my heart about you, give me any kind of a chance to prove it, and see if I don't pony right up to it. Mother laughed until the tears rolled. She couldn't help it. She took Mrs. Freshett in her arms and hugged her tight, and kissed her mighty near like she does Sarah Hood. Mrs. Freshett threw her arms around Mother, and looked over her shoulder, and said to me, Sis, when you grow up, always take a chance on welcoming the stranger, like your ma does, and heaven's bound to be your home. My, but your ma is a woman to be proud of, she said, hugging mother and patting her on the back. All of us are proud of her, I boasted. I doubt if you are proud enough, cried Mrs. Freshett. I have my doubts. 
I don't see how people livin' with her, and seein' her every day, are in a shape to know just what she can do for a person in the place I was in. I have my doubts. That night, when I went home from school, Mother was worrying over the blue goose. When we went to feed, she told Leon that she was afraid it was weak, and not getting enough to eat when it fed with the others. She said after the work was finished, to take it out alone, and give it all it would eat. So when the horses were tended, the cows milked, everything watered, and the barn ready to close for the night, Laddie took the milk to the house, while Leon and I caught the blue goose, carried her to the well, and began to shell corn. She was starved to death almost. She ate a whole ear in no time and looked for more, so Leon sent me after another. By the time that was most gone, she began to eat slower and stick her bill in the air to help the grains slip down. So I told Leon I thought she had enough. No such thing, said Leon. You distinctly heard Mother tell me to give her all she would eat. She's eating, isn't she? Go bring another ear. So she was, but I was doubtful about more. Leon said I'd better mind, or he would tell Mother, so I got it. She didn't begin on it with any enthusiasm. She stuck her bill higher, stretched her neck longer, and she looked so funny when she did it that we just shrieked. Then Leon reached over, took her by the bill, and stripped her neck to help her swallow, and as soon as he let go, she began to eat again. You see, said Leon, she's been starved. She can't get enough. I must help her. So he did help her every little bit. By that time, we were interested in seeing how much she could hold, and she looked so funny that Leon sent me for more corn. But I told him I thought what she needed now was water. So we held her to the trough, and she tried to drink, but she couldn't swallow much. We set her down beside the corn, and she went to eating again. Go it, old millhopper, cried Leon. Right then there was an awful commotion in the barn, and from the squealing we knew one of the horses was loose, and fighting the others. We ran to fix them, and had a time to get Joe back into his stall and tied. Before we had everything safe, the supper bell rang, and I bet Leon a penny I could reach the house while he shut the door and got there. We forgot every single thing about the goose. At supper, Mother asked Leon if he fed the goose all she would eat, and I looked at him guilty like, for I remembered we hadn't put her back. He frowned at me cross as a bear, and I knew that meant he had remembered, and would slip back and put her inside when he finished his supper, so I didn't say anything. I didn't feed her all she would eat, said Leon. If I had, she'd be at it yet. She was starved, sure enough. You never saw anything like the corn she downed. Well, I declare, said Mother, now after this, take her out alone for a few days, and give her as much as she wants. All right, chuckled Leon, because it was a lot of fun to see her run her bill around, and gobble up the corn, and stick up her head. The next day was Saturday, so after breakfast, I went with Leon to drive the sheep and geese to the creek to water. The trough was so high, it was only for the horses and cattle. When we let out the geese, the blue one wasn't there. Oh, Leon, did you forget to come back and put her in? Yes, I did, he said. I meant to when I looked at you to keep still, and I started to do it, but Sammy Deem whistled, so I went down in the orchard to see what he wanted. And we got to planning how to get up a fox chase, and I stayed until father called for night. And then I ran and forgot all about the blame old goose. Oh, Leon, where is she? What will mother say? Spose a fox got her. It wouldn't help me any if it had, after I was to blame for leaving her outside. Blast a girl, if you ever amounted to anything, 
"'You could have put her in while I fixed the horses. "'At least you could have told me to.' "'I stood there dumb-like and stared at him. "'He has got the awfulest way of telling the truth "'when he is scared or provoked. "'Of course I should have thought of the goose "'when he was having such a hard fight with the horses. "'If I'd been like he was, "'I'd have told him that he was older, "'mother told him to do it, and it wasn't my fault.' "'But in my heart I knew he did have his hands full, "'and if you're your brother's keeper, "'you ought to help your brother remember.' "'So I stood gawking, "'while Leon slowly turned whiter and whiter. "'We might as well see if we can find her,' "'he said at last. "'So slow and hopeless-like, "'it made my heart ache. "'So he started around the straw-stack one way, "'and I the other, looking into all the holes. "'And before I had gone far, "'I had a glimpse of her, "'and it scared me so I screamed, "'for her head was down.' "'and she didn't look right. "'Leon came running and pulled her out. "'The swelled corn rolled in a little trail after her, "'and the pigs ran up and began to eat it. "'Pigs are named righter than anything else I know.' "'Busted!' cried Leon, in tones of awe. "'About the worst awe you ever heard, "'and the worst bust you ever saw. "'From bill to breast she was wide open, "'and the hominy spilling. "'We just stood staring at her, "'and then Leon began to kick the pigs.' "'because it would be no use to kick the goose. "'She would never know. "'Then he took her up, carried her into the barn, "'and put her on the floor where the other geese had stayed all night. "'We stood and looked at her some more, "'as if looking and hoping would make her get up and be alive again. "'But there's nothing in all this world so useless "'as wishing dead things would come alive. "'We had to do something. "'What are you going to tell mother?' "'Shut up,' said Leon. "'I'm trying to think.' "'I'll say it was as much my fault as yours. "'I'll go with you. "'I'll take half whatever they do to you.' "'Little fool,' said Leon. "'What good would that do me?' "'Do you know what they cost? "'Could you get another with some of your horse money?' "'I saw it coming and dodged again, "'before I remembered the crusaders. "'All right,' I said. "'If that's the way you are going to act, Smarty, "'I'll lay all the blame on you. "'I won't help you a bit, "'and I don't care if you are whipped until the blood runs.' Then I went out of the barn, and slammed the door. For a minute I felt better, but it was a short time. I said that to be mean, but I did care. I cared dreadfully. I was partly to blame, and I knew it. Coming around the barn, I met Laddie, and he saw in a flash I was in trouble. So he stopped and asked, "'What now, chicken?' "'Come into the barn where no one will hear us,' I said. So we went around the outside, entered at the door on the embankment, "'and he sat in the wheelbarrow on the threshing-floor while I told him. "'I thought I felt badly enough, but after I saw Laddie it grew worse. "'For I remembered we were short of money that fall, "'that the goose was a fine expensive one, "'and how proud mother was of her, and how she'd be grieved, "'and that was trouble for sure. "'Run along and play,' said Laddie, "'and don't tell anyone else if you can help it.' I'll hide the goose, and see if I can get another in time to take the place of this one, so mother won't be worried. I walked to the house slowly, but I was afraid to enter. When you are all choked up, people are sure to see it, and ask fool questions. So I went around to the gate, and stood there, looking up and down the road, and over the meadow toward the big woods. And all at once, in one of those high, regular bugle calls, like they mostly scream in spring— one of Pryor's ganders split the echoes for a mile, maybe farther. I was across the road and slinking down inside the meadow fence before I knew it. There was no thought or plan. I started for Pryor's and went straight ahead, 
only I kept out of line with our kitchen windows. I tramped through the slush, ice, and crossed fields where I was afraid of horses. But when I got to the top of the prior backyard fence, I stuck there, for the bulldogs were loose and came raving at me. I was going to be eaten alive, for I didn't know the word Laddie did, and those dogs climbed a fence like a person. I saw them the time Leon brought back even so. I was thinking what a pity it was, after everyone had grown accustomed to me, and had begun loving me, that I should be wasted for dog-feed, when Mr. Pryor came to the door, and called them. They didn't mind, so he came to the fence, and crossest you ever heard, every bit as bad as the dogs, he cried. Whose brat are you, and what are you doing here? I meant to tell him, but you must have a minute after a thing like that. God of my life, he fairly frothed. What did anybody send a dumb child here for? Dumb child! I didn't care if Mr. Pryor did wear a crown of glory. It wasn't going to do him one particle of good, unless he was found in the way of the Lord. Dumb child! I was no more dumb than he was, until his bulldogs scared me so my heart got all tangled up with my stomach, my lungs, and my liver. That made me mad, and there was nothing that would help me loosen up and talk fast, like losing my temper. I wondered what kind of a father he had. If he'd been stood against the wall, and made to recite, speak gently, as often as all of us, perhaps he'd have remembered the verse that says, Speak gently to the little child, its love be sure to gain. Teach it in accents soft and mild, it may not long remain. I should think not, if it had any chance at all to get away. I was so angry by that time, I meant to tell him what I thought. Polite or not polite, I'd take a switching if I had to, but I wasn't going to stand that. You haven't got any God in your life, I reminded him, and no one sent me here. I came to see the princess, because I'm in awful trouble, and I hoped maybe she could fix up a way to help me. Ye gods, he cried. He would stick to calling on God, whether he believed in him or not. If it isn't Nimrod, I didn't recognize you in all that bundling. Probably he didn't know it, but Nimrod was from the Bible, too. By bundling, he meant my hood and coat. He helped me from the fence, sent the bulldogs rolling. Sure enough, he did kick them, and they didn't like it either. Took my hand and led me straight into the house, and the princess was there, and a woman who was her mother, no doubt, and he said, Pamela, here's our little neighbor, and she says she's in trouble, and she thinks you may be of some assistance to her. Of course, you will be glad if you can. Surely, said the princess, and she introduced me to her mother, so I bowed the best I could, and took off my wet mitten, dirty with climbing fences, to shake hands with her. She was so gracious and lovely, I forgot what I went after. The princess brought a cloth, and wiped the wet from my shoes and stockings, and asked me if I wouldn't like a cup of hot tea to keep me from taking a chill. I've been much wetter than this, I told her, and I never have taken a chill, and anyway my throat's too full of trouble to drink. Why, you poor child, said the princess, tell me quickly, is your mother ill again? Not now, but she's going to be as soon as she finds out, I said, and then I told them. They all listened without a sound until I got where Leon helped the goose eat, and from that on Mr. Pryor laughed until you could easily see that he had very little feeling for suffering humanity. It was funny enough when we fed her, but now that she was bursted wide open, there was nothing amusing about it. And to roar, when a visitor plainly told you she was in awful trouble, didn't seem very good manners to me. The princess and her mother never even smiled, 
and before I had told nearly all of it, Thomas was called to hitch the princess's driving cart, and she took me to their barnyard to choose the goose that looked most like mother's. And all of them seemed like hers, so we took the first one Thomas could catch, put it into a bag in the back of the cart, and then we got in and started for our barn. As we reached the road, I said to her, "'You'd better go past Dover's, for if we come down our little hill, they will see us sure. It's baking day.' "'All right,' said the princess. So we went the long way round the section. But goodness me, when she drove, no way was far. When we were opposite our barn, she stopped, hitched her horse to the fence, and we climbed over, and slipping behind the barn, carried the goose around to the pen and put it in with ours. She said she wanted the broken one, because her father would enjoy seeing it. I didn't see how he could. We were ready to slip out, when our geese began to run at the new one, hiss and scream, and make such a racket that Laddie and Leon both caught us. They looked at the goose, at me, the princess, and each other, and neither said a word. She looked back a little bit, and then she laughed as hard as she could. Leon grew red, and he grinned ashamed-like, so she laughed worse than ever. Laddie spoke to me. You went to Mr. Pryor's and asked for that goose? She did not, said the princess, before I could answer. She never asked for anything. She was making a friendly morning call, and in the course of her visit she told about the pathetic end of the goose that was expected to lay the golden egg, I mean stuff the bishop's pillow, and as we have a large flock of blue geese, father gave her one, and he had the best time he's had in years doing it. I wouldn't have had him miss the fun he got from it for any money. He laughed like home again. Now I must slip away before anyone sees me, and spoils our secret." "'Leon, lad, you can go to the house and tell your little mother that the feeding stopped every pain her goose had, and hereafter it looks to you as if she'd be all right.' "'Miss Pryor,' said Leon, "'did you care about what I said at you in church that day?' "'Thou art all fair, my love, there is no spot in thee?' "'Well, it was a little pointed, but since you ask a plain question, I have survived it.' "'I'm awfully sorry,' said Leon. "'Of course I never would, if I'd known you could be this nice.' The princess looked at Laddie, and almost gasped, and then both of them laughed. Leon saw that he had told her he was sorry he said that she was fair, and no spot in her. "'Oh, I don't mean that,' he said. "'What I do mean is that I thank you awful much for the goose, and helping me out like such a brick of a good fellow, and what I wish is that I was as old as Laddie, and he'd hump himself if he got to be your beau.' The princess almost ran. Laddie and I followed to the road, where he unhitched the horse and helped her in. Then he stood stroking its neck, as he held the bridle. "'I don't know what to say,' said Laddie. "'In such case I would counsel silence,' advised the princess. "'I hope you understand how I thank you.' "'I fail to see what for. Father gave the goose to little sister. Her thanks and Leon's are more than enough for him. We had great sport. I insist on adding mine.' deep and fervent. You take everything so serious. Can't you see the fun of this? No, said Laddie, but if you can, I am glad, and I'm thankful for anything that gives me a glimpse of you. Bye, little sister, said the princess, and when she loosened the lines, the mud flew a rod high. End of chapter 10